Welcome to Move Like This, brought to you by the Accounting Move Project and sponsored by Moss Adams and Sapro. On this podcast, we share ideas and hear from guests about how they find, retain, develop, and advance women and other underrepresented groups in their accounting firms. Now, on to our guest. Welcome to today's episode of Move Like This. I am excited today to be talking to Linnell Herring. She is a partner with HBE, and I am excited to learn more about your firm today. Linnell, how are you? I'm good, Bonnie. How are you? I am doing okay. It's a little chilly here in Atlanta today, but otherwise things are great. Before we dive into a whole lot of information, I just wanted to hear from you what you feel makes HBE unique in the accounting profession. I've been a partner here for about 18 years, and I worked at another firm before this. So I think I have a little bit of feeling on why we're unique, and I get to work with some leadership groups in our cities, Omaha and Lincoln, so I kind of get a feel for that. When we're speaking of gender equality and what makes us unique as far as that goes, it almost is like we haven't had to jump over some of the big hurdles that other women and firms have had to deal with. And I feel like it was the founders of this firm that were open to women at the leadership table. I feel like it was just the general attitude. You know, we're just looking for good talent all those kinds of things. So one, that's one thing I feel like HB is unique. There is no way that I would still be working if it wasn't an HBE. We have such a great culture of coaching and educating and finding out how we can make our people better and how, what works for them and what doesn't work for them. And so there's a lot of um, time and effort put into that part of our business. And I think that makes us really unique in the accounting world. We're not traditionally, I think our mix at the table as far as partners is about 50 per 50, 50, and it probably always has been. And so um, that makes it easy to move to that table and to sit in leadership roles, not just as partners, but as, you know, managers and seniors and all those kinds of things, just because it's the way it is. There's no hurdles. There's hurdles. Of course there is, but we, we tried attempt to push all those hurdles down. I love that. And traditionally across the profession, most firms are about 50-50 when you think of all staff. Mm -hmm. But what happens is as people move into leadership, women have a tendency to drop off for a whole variety of reasons, which we get into in the Accounting Move Project report. So it's wonderful to see that you are not only recruiting women to the firm, but you're retaining them through leadership, which is fairly rare in the profession. Uh, Whether we like it or not, it just really is what it is. So I I think that's fantastic. So one of the other things that we learned recently is HBE is now offering 100% remote or hybrid work for all employees And many of your team members now work non-traditional schedules. This is typically embraced by women on the rise, certainly. 
since it allows for more flexibility and work-life integration. But what has been the impact on HBE and how do you ensure that your culture remains intact when people are working outside of a traditional office space? That's a really, really good question because that after COVID, we were so proud of ourselves when COVID hit, we already could all work from home. So the day that we decided to close the office, we could all go home and continue our day working just like we had before. So that was really, really great. So, and we got through those things. Okay. What is harder now is to keep the culture and we've grown. I mean, we are a growing firm. And so we have new people and interns all the time. And so how do we instill that culture if they're not going to be sitting in a chair in our office and they can see me and I can go talk to them and all those kinds of things. So it's a big, big challenge. I don't know that how how well we're doing that, it's certainly at top of mind. We do have all staff meetings once a week. Everybody Zooms in. We expect you to be there if you can. And we start to talk about culture. We have people that talk about what's going on, how we're doing things, all those kinds of things. So that's one way, you know, to get in front of everybody every week at least. We have a really good onboarding process. So I think when people come into the firm, we hopefully get that, you know, a little bit of that culture. We still try to do things like socially. We try to include remote people because we have people all over the country now. I think we're doing okay with it. Those are the kinds of things we're trying. I think it's a big challenge. I think it's a big challenge for the industry and for our profession. And it, it does worry me. It also worries me, especially for women. And I don't know, this is probably for men too, but I'm noticing a little bit more for women. If they're working totally remotely or more flex than the average, they're having a hard time seeing their way to being leaders and even maybe getting their CPA license, those kinds of things. Because you just don't have those people that are lifting you up. So then we started our coaching program mm. to be able to coach people to leadership. We have different levels. We have people that are probably three to five years being leaders or you know, maybe out a few more years, but then we have what we call paths of leadership for three and four year people. So those meetings and those things we can do remotely, you know, and bring them in. And we just had a 90 day check-in this morning with a group that started. And so I get to sit on those as I've transitioned out of a lot of client work and some of the traditional CPA things, these are the things that I've gotten to do and help HBE with. So this is really rewarding for me. Hence another reason that I'm still here. I get to help encourage those women or men that are showing potential, what it's like to be a leader at HBE. One other thing that our culture, we do have to, we're try, we try to limit hours. We try to not have this traditional compressed work time. And that's, we're doing a pretty good job with that. We are not old school like you know, you're going to work 80 hours a week during tax season. No, nobody's going to be doing that. And if you are, we're going to be talking to you about it. You know, we need to do some different things. So I think that's one of our biggest challenges is the culture. And, you know, it's because I love my profession and I love what I've been able to do through my career. And I want others younger than me to be able to experience that as well. So I have a passion for it. 
I love that you are removing some of the client work and really focused on that. I hear more and more firms kind of doing that. And I love that just the fact that you're there to support the next generation of leaders as a current leader. And also the fact that you're doing the leadership coaching at a younger age. You know, it's not just the senior managers or directors that are about to move into that role. But I think that's one of the things that is going to keep women in the profession up through leadership is just letting them know what's expected, what wonderful things are about the profession and also the challenging things, but how you overcome those challenges and the programs and policies that the firm has in place to support them as they move up the career ladder, as they say. Well, we have our staff, our technical people contract hours for the year. So they say how many hours that they plan to work. So if someone is planning, is is pregnant, or if somebody knows they're going to have to have more, need more time to help a parent or whatever it might be challenges with small children, they can plan, kind of try and plan that out. So the expectation isn't that they're going to be available 60 hours a week. And the expectation is I'm having a baby in January. And so I won't, you know, I mean, we just try to really get a handle on that stuff so that they feel like they're in control of their schedule. And that helps them give their best to HBE too, I think. Oh, I yeah. love the way that works. And that's a lot of what we talked about in this year's accounting move report is that career sustainability, it's more of a negotiation now Mm -hmm. in some ways than it is the firm saying you're going to do this and you're going to like it and you're going to work these hours and you don't have any say in that. And, And I think it's good for the firm as well as for the individuals to be able to talk about those things and plan ahead. And life happens to all of us. I will never, ever forget, this is many years ago, working at a firm and one of the female partners, get this, made the comment, like, can we start trying to avoid hiring women in childbearing age because they always seem to go out during busy season? And, you know, when I pick my jaw up off the floor, this is not the only thing in people's lives. And frequently, you don't necessarily control when you're going to have a baby. (laughs) So... Well, and, and the dads have the same thing or the, you know, I mean, the partner has the same thing, you know, the thing, the partner of the person that's planning a family. So, I mean, those things are things that you can do with good communication. And I don't, I think that is part of, you know, what we look at as our culture. Yeah. It is more difficult with flexible and remote workers though. Yeah. There, there's always uh, the balance of, you know, good and bad. There's huge benefits to flexible and remote work. And then there's also, you know, there's challenges because it's different. So, you know, I love the fact that, and I talk to a lot of firms that they're trying to figure it out, you know, okay. and create that atmosphere and that culture where people can <laughs> do good work and the firm can thrive and, kind of the other parts of it are going to kind of happen and going to create that culture maybe in a different way than we have in the past. Well, it is going to be in a different way. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. It's not going to be the same and we don't want it to be the same. I get to work with tons of really bright, 
smart people that help our clients in every way possible. And so why would we thwart that? Why wouldn't we make it as easy as we can for women to move up the ladder as in CPA firms, even though they are not traditional workers sitting in their office innumerable hours a week? HB has quite a few nonprofit clients mm-hmm. and is actively involved in the work that these organizations do in your communities. Part of your extensive program of leadership training is to educate team members on how to serve on nonprofit boards too. So can you talk about why this is important to the firm and to your professionals and what this program entails? It's important to the firm because it's our biggest niche. We serve about, I think, close to 400 nonprofit clients. So it's a lot, you know, we do it in different ways, like auditing, CAS services, you know, advisory for boards, all those kinds of things. So we've taken it kind of to a different level than just the audit and the 990. So it's really important to us. The other thing I think it does is when you worked with a nonprofit client, you understand scarcity of resources you understand mission, you understand helping executive directors be able to do the mission as with your help. You see a lot of things that you don't see in for-profit work. And it's become, it used to be like so many years ago when I started in the bit in the industry, it was just kind of what we had to do to be busy in the summer is to do some nonprofit audits and such. It's totally different now. We vet our clients. We look for clients that are you know, we'll be able to pay our fees so that we can compensate our people well enough to make it worthwhile. And we're sitting in board meetings with, it's a whole different ball game. And so I love it that we're able to, everybody doesn't go grow up with a philanthropy background or even see people that are philanthropic. So if they get nothing out of H- else from HBE, they will see how nonprofits work you know, they might pick one that they want to support. They might pick one that if asked on the board, they would go on the board, different things like that. And hopefully I myself, I'm sat on a lot of boards. Some of our partners have done, done this a lot. We can help them know how to do it. Cause it's kind of scary when somebody asks you to sit on a board, you don't know what to expect. So we have some real good questions that we, we have people ask current board members of if they're asked to be on a board you know, to see if it's a good fit. Don't just say yes. See if it's a good fit. What's the monetary expectation? What's the time expectation? What do you want me? How do you, how can you want me? They always say, I think it's just because of the nature of our business and what we do, but it's been also fun to develop people in that environment. Pay equity is another area where HBE stands out. And that is obviously Important to the Accounting Move project being that is the M is money and all about pay equity and measuring what firms are doing. Please share with us what systems you have in place to create fair pay policies and the communications tools that you have developed to help managers have pay discussions on both an individual and a department level. When I answered the question, I think number one, we talked about why we're unique. And I said, maybe you can walk into HBE and it just, the gender is not an issue on the pay side, same thing. I would say across the firm. So that would be a firm wide answer, you know, that we hopefully create an environment where there's open discussions about that and about 
equity and pay and uh, making sure that people are, especially if they come in at an experience level, what that looks like, how it relates to the people that have been here a while. You know, there's all kinds of, I don't sit on the compensation committee, so I don't, I'm not involved in those discussions, but hopefully our environment is open to people bringing that subject up. Because, you know, we tell people how important they are to us. And when, and I've even given statistics, like how if three or four year person leaves, what it costs us to replace that person, time and money and resources and education and training and all those things. So we're, you're important to us. We need to know if you're not happy. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, if this isn't a sufficient for you, how can we change that? Or how, what can we look at to do different? Maybe you're not a good fit for us, but if you are, let's talk about it. And I think that that's just as far as what I do, that's the message I send. I love that. And, it, you know, it's kind of the idea of stay interviews, really. Where are you happy here? I mean, we, we do a whole lot of interviewing up front, obviously, and most firms do an exit interview of sorts. But I think there's a whole lot of conversation that needs to take place between when you start at the firm and when you leave the firm. And I love to hear that you're doing that. And transparency is extraordinarily important. Everybody keeps pay discussions, you know, under a rock, and we're not really going to talk about that and such. And frankly, there's a lot of reasons why we work, but if we weren't paid, we probably wouldn't be working at all. The other thing I think about is we try to make the finances of the firm more transparent to everyone. So they realize what input goes into what we make bottom line. Cause sometimes I think if they, you know, they haven't, most of them haven't run a business or they haven't, you know, so you really have to, when you see what the inputs are to make the bottom line so that we can all get raises and be paid more, it makes more sense. And delegation, billable versus non-billable time, valuable non-billable time and how that looks. All those things make a difference in what you are paid at the firm level. So if we're transparent, then we can have the discussions beforehand before it's somebody decides, I just don't want to do this anymore here. Yeah. And that, that transparency in education has to make them better consultants for their clients too, yeah. because understanding how a business is run and all of the things that it takes and how much money it takes just to keep I would say a roof over our heads, but that's really not the (laughs) right analogy. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's extraordinarily important. And I'm glad to hear you're doing that. You mentioned this at the onset of our conversation, but we're excited to hear that partners are about 50-50 at HBE and also that your pipeline is positioned to maintain or even increase that percentage of women in leadership. So what advice do you have for other firms that are looking to expand their talent pipeline and ideally attract and retain more women? I think that you need to think like we talk about our bench strength. So our bench strength are those that are in the line for leadership roles or what, you know, other roles, senior to manager. So what is our bench strength? And so when we have partner retreats, that's one of our topics every year. Who are these people? How many years do you think it is till they should or could be a partner? And how should we get them ready? 
We have an outside consultant that helps with coaching. Sometimes I think it's better if we, if you have an outsider because he's not so ingrained in the firm that helps coach some of these people. We, um, they're all in the coaching program as they're getting ready to be partners. So we talk about what it's like, you know, how much money you might be able to make. You know, those things are important to know. It's things you don't really want to talk about that much, but you should because encourage other firms to really think about that. Because mm-hmm. I think it's this big mystery. What it's like to be a partner. Well, it's not that mysterious, but you have to be willing to share some of those things, especially for women. I, I mean, six years ago in March, I had a health issue right in the middle of tax season. And I was doing quite a bit of tax then. And my husband was able to call the managing partner and say, she's not going to be in. So, and I had these great group of people that picked up everything that needed to be done for me and did it. And I didn't have to worry about it. I knew it was being handled. I could focus on me. It was great. I tell this story a lot. We had some people that were really sick with COVID during COVID and we had to pick up the realm for them and help them get through that and get their work done on a timely basis. That's what it's like when you work in a team environment. And I don't know if that's answering your question, but that's what I talk to when I talk to especially young women about being a partner. Don't be afraid of this. This is a good thing. This is the fun part of being in the accounting profession, being able to help people progress and help our clients and advise and all those things. And, you know, honestly, I get to, I worked with enough women's groups that I've been able to help other businesses with this issue. We're not unique to this, of course, but, you know, talk about how you help keep women in your workforce when sometimes it seems like everything gets against them. They feel like there's a lot more gender equality than when I started in the profession. However, it's also women that sometimes take on the heavy loads and the heavy lifting with childcare and home care and all those kinds of things. So. Yeah. And I like the fact that you're being kind of transparent about how much a partner can make. I was talking to another firm recently who was pleased to hear that when people do leave the firm, they weren't leaving for another accounting firm. They were going to end oh. A lot of times, you know, if you move over to industry in your thirties or so, you might actually make more money in that position, but your long-term earning potential is much less in that role. So that's one of the things that we talk to firms about and say, listen, you need to let people know not only the responsibilities and what's going to be required of you as a partner, but also kind of the benefits, how much money you can make, how you can pursue your passions in a lot of ways and lead um, industry or segment groups and such. So I love to hear that that conversation is taking place. So I want to close with a couple of fun questions that I just think are interesting to get answers to. So when you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to teach. And I wanted, I loved blackboards. We didn't have whiteboards then. Blackboards and setting up a classroom with my sisters and making them sit in their seats. I'm the oldest, if that isn't apparent. And sitting in their seats and me telling them, okay, now we're going to have reading time. And so, yeah, I wanted to be a teacher. I'm honestly not that good of a teacher. (laughs) I'm not that great of a trainer. But when I was five, I thought I'd be a great teacher. Yeah. 
I kind of had some of that desire too. And I am also the oldest. So, <laughs> well, if you were given a chance to travel anywhere, budget isn't an issue, time off isn't an issue, anything like that, where would you go and why? Well, I my favorite country to visit is Italy. I love Italy. I've been there several times. I've been almost everywhere. So if I had no budget constraints or time constraints, I would go and rent a farmhouse in Tuscany and be there for three or four months, like a longer period of time. I love that. Right before the pandemic hit, my husband and I went to Italy for a couple of weeks and we got as far south as Rome, but we have a whole lot of Southern Italy that we would really love to see. And it is an absolutely beautiful place. I would love to sit in your farmhouse in Tuscany. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Well, and I got just a little, I went with my daughter and son-in-law a year ago in April and that's what we did, but just for a week. But I thought, Ooh, I just, I could do this for a few weeks, not forever, but, but a few weeks. Sounds pretty nice. Yeah, it does. And finally, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? I'm a grandmother of nine. Oh, wow. So I have a lot of, and the oldest one is, I think, 12 now. So I've got, so if I could have a superpower, it would be able to read with or to each one of my grandkids once a week. I'm a huge reader. I'm a huge promoter of books with them. And so if I could have one-on-one time with them and, and sit and read, and I know that doesn't even sound like a superpower. That sounds like something you could just do but you can't because <laughs> we're all busy and you no, know, I have to individually pick exactly what they would like and all those things. But I thought to myself, wouldn't that be the best if I could like even say, I'll be one, I'll be with all of you by yourself at the same time. And we'd all be having this great conversation about whatever book we're reading. So that sounds lovely. I like, <laughs> That a lot. I've gotten so many interesting answers to this question, and um, that is a new one. So good, good. Yeah, well, I had I actually hadn't thought. Okay, do I want to fly? Do I want to be invisible? You know, those are the typical. But I think my favorite so far is to have an empathy wand. Somebody said oh, that they could. That would be so good. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that. They could, you know, basically wave their wand and the person that they're talking to or around or something could suddenly have empathy for others. And I was like, I think that's- Or if I could have empathy, I could put the wand over myself. I want to be empathetic. Yeah. I think I am, but then sometimes, you know, life gets in the way and we lose that sense of what's this person going through. I think it's, I, I love all of these superpowers. And I thank you, Linnell, for being here today and for sharing your story and about all the wonderful things going on at HBE. And hopefully we can do this again sometime soon. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bonnie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Move Like This, brought to you by the Accounting Move Project and sponsored by Moss Adams and SACPRO. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website at accountingmoveproject.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues too. I'm your host, Bonnie Buell-Resick, and until next time, keep moving forward.